0: Having a holiday like this on a Sunday is at times a little problematic because you get on one hand the desire to celebrate the holiday, and of course today being Mother's Day, and on the other hand, we're here for a reason to worship and hear the story of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. So what to do? Well, I'm going to do both. Um And first, I'm going to tell you a little story. It's likely to be a really old chestnut of a story, and you've probably heard it before. It's not particularly biblical, um, but it's a cute story. I like it, and since I have the microphone, I get to tell it. But I want to tell it to you because it's special to me on this Mother's Day for all of you on the day that god created mothers an angel appeared and said you're taking an awful lot of time on this one god and god said have you even read the specifications on this model he pulls out a spec sheet and hands it to the angel i mean she has to be completely washable but not plastic have 180 moving parts all replaceable runs on black coffee and leftovers Have a lap that disappears when she stands up. And a kiss that can cure anything from a broken leg to a disappointed love affair. And, get this, this is so cool. Six pairs of hands. The angel just kind of shook his head and said, six pairs of hands. No way. God thought a moment. He said, it's really not the hands that are causing me the problems. It's the three pairs of eyes that the mothers have to have. Wait, said the angel, that's on a standard model? Yep. One pair that sees through closed doors when she asks, what are you kids doing in there? When she already knows. Another here in the back of her head that sees what she shouldn't, but what she has to know about. And then, of course, the ones in front, that can look at a child when he messes up and say, I understand and I love you without saying a word at all. The angel approached God and touched his sleeve and said, God, please get some rest tomorrow. God says, I can't. I'm so close to creating something so like me. Already I have one who heals herself when she's sick. Who can feed a family of six on a single pound of hamburger and get a nine-year-old kid into the shower. At that, the angel started circling the model of the mother very slowly. After a minute, she said, It's too soft. But tough, said God. Just imagine, just imagine what this mother can do and endure. The angel kind of looked at him sheepishly. Can it um, think? Uh. Ah, can it think? <laughs> of course. But just as importantly, it can reason and compromise, said God. Finally, the angel stopped and bent over the model and touched a single figure across the cheek. There's a leak, she pronounced. I told you you were trying to put too much in this model. That's not a leak, said God. It's a tear. What's it for? Ah, for sadness, disappointment, pain, loneliness, pride, and most importantly, joy. Now for me, this story is a quite apt description of my own mother, a single mom She was burdened with the enormous task of raising two children, myself and my younger sister, through late childhood and all the way through the terrible teen years. There were ups and downs, of course. Money was very tight, but we got by mostly on her hard, unceasing work for us. After my sister and I had moved out and started our own lives and families, I asked my mother once, Whether she had ever resented having to work so hard to keep us clothed and fed, she looked at me like I was absolutely crazy for even thinking that she would harbor such a thought. But she smiled, too, and said, you and your sister were often the only things that kept me going. Even now, as her mind is dimming with the effects and the passage of time, She smiles every time she sees us. Now, often she calls my daughter Emily by my sister's name, my son Philip by my name. And she forgets sometimes that both of my kids have graduated from public school and one of them is off on her own and the other is in college. But with the smallest of hints, she does come back with those memories. But the important thing is, is that she still knows, like Jesus knows, that we are her children and that she is our mother. She still knows that we are family. I love my mother with all my heart. And I wish, if I could have one wish, that I could have been more of a help in practical terms when we were growing up. But she did what she felt she was called to do. Rarely complaining and never giving us any reason to doubt that she loved us. So today, I want to tell you that Faye Stengler, my mother, is a literal jewel among mothers. And if she were sitting here in the congregation, I would also say to her that I love you. And I thank you so very much for everything you did and that you do for us. you would, please join me in a prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we praise you for your life-giving Son, Jesus, and the gift of salvation that is ours. We thank you for your love and for, love, for the love that we get from our families, our fathers, sisters, brothers, aunts, uncles, but especially on this day, from our mothers. Guide them, protect them, and open the way for us to show them how much we appreciate, value, and love them. In Jesus' name, with grateful thanksgiving, we pray. Amen. Now, you may have noticed in this little story that the angel had doubts about God's latest creation. Our gospel lesson gives us a picture of people doubting our Savior, Jesus Christ. And last night, I attended a play, or actually a musical, at the Christian Youth Theater in Kingwood, or in Humble, excuse me, in Humble, a production of The Music Man. And while I was sitting there, unfortunately, rather bored out of my mind, um, it was an okay production. The woman playing Marion was an absolute angel with her voice. I have never heard such a clear, high voice before in a 16-year-old. She was wonderful, but, you know, it was what it was. But as I was sitting there, I was thinking, this play, too, this story is about doubt as well. A flim-flam artist comes to town promising all sorts of interesting and exciting things, and eventually everyone in the town but one starts to seriously doubt his intentions. And, of course... The model of the story is that everyone in town suddenly believes him when he actually does produce what he said he was going to do. Very similar to our Lord in Christ. I mean, people doubted him, and yet he produced what we need, our salvation, our redemption. But the events in our gospel lesson today occur in the Jerusalem temple And on Solomon's colonnade or porch, or there are several other words for it, uh, during the Feast of Dedication, which we know today is called Hanukkah or the Festival of Lights. The events told in this verse, or these verses that Trish just read, are a continuation of a previous event in the earlier parts of the chapter, uh, an earlier set of teachings where Jesus describes himself as the Good Shepherd, as we just sang. In today's lesson, we find Jesus answering questions again put to him by another crowd. Apparently, his answers generated so as much contention among the listeners as the previous one did. And in that previous discussion, some of the crowd doubted Jesus, accusing him of being possessed by a demon. Some others took up his defense, pointing out that it was unlikely that someone oppressed by a demon could make a blind person see. Again, this was in a reference to an earlier earlier part of the chapter where Jesus healed a man who had been blind, who had been born blind. But how does Jesus respond to these doubts? Very simply, he tells them who he is, that he does his works in his Father's name, and that he knows his followers, and that they know him like a good shepherd, and that he and God are the same. He also uses the same vivid, vivid imagery of sheep to describe his followers from the early Good Shepherd passage, and he's declaring again that he knows all who follow him, and that those follows, followers know him for who he is. Now, today, in our place, because of our place in history, we come well after the events described. We know who Jesus was and continues to be. And so really now, a question arises, who are we? I know many of you, if not most of you, or all of you, would say that here and now, because we believe in what Jesus said about himself and who he is, because we attempt to follow Jesus' example in our lives, we call ourselves Christians, It is our faith in Jesus, our faith in his promise of redemption and salvation that let us do that. Our faith is what Jesus asks of us, our belief that we are indeed one of his sheep. But what, you ask, about that perpetual traveling companion of faith? Doubt. In the gospel lesson from John, you heard the doubts from those in the crowd. They doubted his power. They doubted his source of his power. They doubted his authority to use that power. Jesus knew that, of course, and it didn't really seem to surprise him. Though at times, elsewhere, he was undoubtedly frustrated by it. If we consider Matthew 17, uh, chapter 17, verse 17, Um, Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus says, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? But doubt is an ever-present condition of our being human. Doubt is always with us. And if anyone tells you that he or she has never doubted God, then I suggest that you take that with a grain of salt. Doubt is normal. Doubt is a reality that we need to acknowledge and accept. If we cannot acknowledge and accept our own doubt, then we have no way to go forward with our faith. We must work through our doubt in order to come to perfect faith in Jesus. Will we get there? Perfect faith? I don't know whether we'll get there. I can't say. But I can say that it's a normal part of my personal journey with God. The mother of a good friend of mine, Betty Russell, once said to me, God never gives us more than we can handle. I just wish God didn't have so much faith in me. It is a sentiment I agree with, one that I recognize as being part of my faith journey. Every time I attempt to create a sermon, every time I utter a prayer, every time I read through the Bible, every time I walk out my door trying to be confident that Jesus is beside me, I have doubts. But as we know, as Jesus has told us, we are not alone in this journey. In our hard times, when we're afflicted by disease or the loss of a loved one, through pain, suffering, addiction, Jesus is there with us always. How do we know that? How do we continue each day with the knowledge that God is with us through Jesus Christ? Part of it happens here on each Sunday. It happens right here in this church where we tell and listen to the story of God's hope and salvation. Where we hear the voice of the good shepherd as he calls us to follow him. Jesus knows us, each and every one of us. And when we hear that story again and heed those words, when we try in our sometimes feeble attempts to be like Jesus, we know that no matter our doubts, we are his, and the world will know of that too. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.